Hey, this is Rabbi Zev Bannett. You're listening to the Halacha, Kabbalah, and Machshava daily podcast, where we explore different halachos and try to get to the depths of what's underneath them and integrating them into the larger framework of Torah thought, itself a very profoundly deep and holistically integrated system and framework. If you like what you're listening to, then please check out yesodblocks.com, where we also have a lot more of this content going on, and you want to get access to more stuff like this. We have the entire framework laid out in many different, uh, from many, many different angles and directions, and we're adding new content to Yesodblocks every day. Additionally, we put out an album recently on iTunes and Amazon called the Tikkun HaYesod album. It's essentially a way to use these integrated Torah concepts in order to properly integrate and deal with the issues of the dark side of the internet, the world of pornography, which unfortunately are incredibly pervasive, and there's just not a lot of tools out there to deal with this problem. In this episode, we're continuing with our travels through the Shulchan Aruch or Achayim, and we're exploring different halachos as we go, and we're about to get up to uh, the halacha of Netilas Yadaim in the morning. Netilas Yadaim is where you, after you wake up, you're supposed to wash your hands, there's a certain way to do it, take a cup and pour water on your hands in a certain order, and um, the halacha here is found in Simon Dalit, Simon Dalit, section, it's uh, section four, and it's uh, halacha aleph, the first halacha in this section, in Hilchos Netilas Yadayim, and what is written is as follows, Yerchatz Yadav Vivarech Al Netilas Yadayim, a person should wash his hands, and then say the bracha of Al Netilas Yadayim, a bracha, usually translated as a blessing, uh, it's uh, a little more complicated than that, if you check out, also we have a series on this, on yesodblocks.com, but the concept of bracha means to make a statement that expresses uh, this, we'll call it, it expresses a relationship, or positional relationship almost, but not, not a physically positional relationship, but sort of gives you an idea of where you are in context, contextual relationship with Hashem, in the sense that Hashem is sort of like the source of all things, and then you are uh, on the receiving end of that, except in one way, you actually ha- are the source of something that Hashem is lacking, and then he receives that from you. So the, the statement of a bracha, when you make this, there's like a whole, uh, like a syntax. What we say, it's Baruch Hashem, these are like trigger words, and it's a whole phrase that's designed to essentially convey and, and uh, embed into your own consciousness this awareness that Hashem is the source of all reality and the source of all individual things in your life and you know, the source of money, the source of love, the source of, of uh, life, source of sustenance. And then in one sense, you also are able to provide something for Hashem that Hashem lacks inside of the system as well, which is why the word is Baruch, which basically means that Hashem is now on the receiving end of what it is that you are sharing. And so that's uh, this this thing that we say after we wash our hands, we say this statement designed to uh, give us a, sort of like a, it conveys a perspective of what we mean when we actually wash our hands. And we do this type of bracha uh, with lots of different things, and that's because we're trying to, every action that we take that has a bracha linked to it is in order to allow us to to use that action to actually perceive this relationship, this two-way relationship between us and Hashem. A lot of detail on that, which we're not going to get into right now. We get to Hilchos Brachos, we can explore that a little more fully. And also Hilchos Tefillah. Um, but uh, we're going to uh, just keep it at that for now. So he writes here again, You should wash your hands. You say this bracha of And here, the Mishnah Brurik tells us the reason why we wash our hands when we wake up. And he says, This is in Sif Katan Aleph, the, the first comment of the Mishnah Brurik. There's two reasons for this. The first one, Harash Kasav, the Rush writes, the Rush is a Rishon from a thousand years ago, a few hundred years ago. Uh, 
The hands of a person, they, they, they do a lot of things. They're, they're, they're very active. It's impossible for a person to not touch parts of his body that are normally covered, that are not so clean during the night. So as a result, Chazal made this bracha on Latila to basically, uh, um, basically, Chazal, the rabbis of the Gemara, the Tal- of the Talmud, they instituted this practice of washing our hands with a special uh, bracha that we say as well, because in order for us to prepare ourselves when we first wake up to say Shema, the mitzvah of saying Shema in the, in the morning, which we'll also explore more in depth further on, and tefillah, to engage in the process of tefillah every day, which again is not prayer. Um, we're going to explore exactly what that means, but when we first wake up, we're basically going through this process of alignment where we do this tefillah uh, process, and that also includes saying some parts of the Torah, including the, the paragraphs that we call Shema. Um, so in order to be properly prepared for that and to make sure that our body is clean and not, you know, that our hands are, our hands are not um, dirty from touching parts of our body, so Chazal made this uh, this takana that we should wash and say this bracha. So we're going to explore the depth of that in one second. But first I want to just, I want to just read the second reason that's mentioned here, uh, which is that quoted by the Mishnah Baruch from in the name of the Rashba. The Rashba, also another Rishon from a thousand years, a few hundred years ago. Rashba kasa b'shachar achar sheina. When we first wake up after we sleep, anu nasim kivriya chadasha. It's like we're a new creation now. Dichsev, as is written, chadashim l'akarim raba munasecha, is a pasuk kind of proving that point. And therefore, tzrichim anu lehodos lo isparach. We therefore have this that we we should we should admit to Hashem, be thankful to Hashem, shebaranu lechavodo that he create that he created us, lisharso levarich shmo, and 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 so we should basically like this is like a, a bracha that we say that's essentially like a praise and a thanks to Hashem. And since we're a new creation, we also are supposed to wash our hands as some kind of expression of that. Now, when you read that at, at first glance, it's like. Okay, so we're new creations. Why do we have to wash our hands? The first reason is pretty clear because uh, our hands are dirty. Uh, but what does it mean that we're a new creation and now suddenly that we need to do this hand washing? Now, and also draw your attention to a piece in the Mishnah Brura that's all the way back in the very beginning of, of the Shulchan Aruch and uh, Seif Aleph. And we mentioned it very briefly, but I just want to read it to you in a little bit, a little more fully now um, because it really adds context here, sort of like a seemingly a third reason why we wash our hands when we wake up. So he writes, uh, Immediately when a person wakes up from sleeping, and he doesn't want to continue sleeping, he told Yadav he should wash his hands, even though he's lying down, he certainly shouldn't walk for Amos without washing his hands. This is a minhag that some people follow, where they have a little thing of water next to their beds, and they wash their hands as soon as they wake up. And then uh, the other posts can say that your entire home is, in, is included in that space, so you could actually, as long as you're just walking around your home, you could walk to the bathroom to wash your hands. And he adds, You should be very careful to make sure you wash your hands. He quotes now the Zohar, He says, It's very problematic to not wash your hands very intensely. The Zohar is very against uh, somebody who doesn't wash their hands. Because what you're doing then is you're leaving on yourself Ruach HaTumah. There's some kind of like a spirit of Tumah here. And we have to define exactly what that term means, Ruach HaTumah. But we now have three reasons. We have a cleanliness reason. We have a you are newly created reason. We have a Ruach HaTumah reason for washing your hands. And what I want to show you here is that these are actually all part of one story. And uh, these are not separate reasons, really. And so th- th- this is, again, just to, to illustrate how there is an underlying framework here beneath all these halachos, and that that underlying framework uh, 
integrates and, and unifies all these different ideas into like a set of perspectives about how we work and who we are, and then also practically expresses them in the halachos that we are exploring and that we're engaging in on a daily basis. So the way that these things are unified is if, if we, we just have to first explore the concept of Ruach HaToma. So the Torah perspective on what a human being actually is, is that you are a consciousness fragment. As we discussed in earlier episodes, you are an aspect of Hashem's self, and it's something which is completely, almost like it's it's inexplicable and immeasurable. When you actually look at the world and look at human beings, so as, we, as we've discussed, the, a person is... is the most significant and central aspect of a person is their self, is their consciousness that shines through the body. And then there's the body itself and all its aspects, the emotions, the thoughts, the, the perceptions. Uh, and these are all obviously layers of tools that are incorporated into the body structure. But the actual thing that makes you you, that is the one that is the most intangible, that is the aspect that is the most immeasurable, and yet it is also the most central, it is the most significant. That is the meaning of the term neshama, what we call in English the soul. And so... You are this consciousness fragment. That is the that is that is the essence of you. That's what we would say is like the real you that is behind the scenes. That is the one running the show. That is making the body do all the things. You're the one who's thinking the thoughts. The thoughts are constructs that your brain can construct. But you are the one who is who is listening to them and who is now experiencing them and perceiving them in order through the lenses of the perceptual landscape in order to then activate different emotions and also activate different behaviors. And so if that's the nature of what you are, so when that consciousness is lost from the world, when it gets detached from the body in the process that we call death, and then the body essentially becomes inert, that is the definition of tuma. That's why the, a dead body is what's called av, avi avosa tuma. It's the ultimate source of tuma, because what tuma actually means, usually translated as impurity, but tuma means that there is now an experiential encounter with our own finiteness. In other words, we are actually not finite. We are infinite, endless, immortal beings. But we also have, because of the Eitz Hadas, we have this capacity to identify ourselves as our bodies and as our as our mortality. And so when you get exposed to another person's dead body, so then what happens is you actually get this experiential jolt, which trend, which actually can, can reformat your perceptions a little bit, or even a lot, to say to you, hey, wait a second, I'm finite, I am temporary, I am mortal, I am going to disappear, and then I will be nothing, I will not exist, just like this person who was once here, suddenly now there's just an inert body that is nothing, that is empty. And that is an experiential encounter with death, with our own finiteness, and that is the definition of Tumma. And you'll find that there are different types of Tumma, different levels of Tumma, because there are different amounts of exposure and different qualitative versions of exposure to our own, to finiteness in general, and how that finiteness that we encounter in the larger world actually re resonates with our own awareness of our own uh, seeming finiteness. And there's a whole world of halacha that revolves around this. How do we undo the damage, the perceptual damage of getting exposed to finiteness, to our own finiteness uh, in the world? That is what all the halachas of Tumah are all about. And uh, there's, you know, as, as an example, um, you're not supposed to go to the Beis HaMikdash when you are Tameh. If you recall from our Beis HaMikdash episode, it's because the Beis HaMikdash is a context for ultimate consciousness flooding. In other words, Hashem's consciousness, the light of Hashem's self, is supposed to flood out of the Beis HaMikdash and fill that entire area. And so if you come there where you're uh, heavily uh, in the depths of a, of a perceptual lens of your own finiteness, there's a big clash between your own immortality and your own sense of self-finiteness. And so that clash is something which we do not allow. We do not allow you to come into a place of light with a little 
um, you know, bubble of darkness, which now blocks you from actually experiencing the intensity of what the endlessness of Hashem and the endlessness of what you actually are. Uh, it's kind of like going to a wedding right after you had like a, a horrible experience, let's say in your own relationship, maybe you got divorced or maybe you lost somebody that you love um, and going to a wedding, it's very hard to, to really uh, enjoy a setting like that when you are kind of carrying around its opposite. So you can think about it like in that sense. So Ruach HaTuma basically means the spirit of that finiteness, that death, the taste of death that is on a person. Now, the, the question that, that can become on, that can, you know, come on to a person. So here, the reason why it's happening, though, there is no death in our story, but instead of what there is, is there, there is sleep. And as we've discussed in the very first episodes of the series, sleep is a fascinating phenomenon because it's actually a, it's a, it's a fraction of death. Now, why is it actually a fraction of death? So we discussed about how, you know, your consciousness is basically, it recedes from the body when you are asleep. And so that's, that's one way to think about it, but it can kind of goes a little bit deeper than that, which is if I'm perceiving you, let's say I'm, I'm uh, you know, somebody's watching somebody else sleep, I'm watching somebody sleep. So we're very used to this because we sleep. And so, you know, we're acclimated to the fact that we do this, but sleep, you know, watching somebody sleep can be actually very, it's, it's kind of scary if, you, if you've never seen it before. So the person is gone. All you have is just this, this body that lies there and, and, not only is it frightening to see a body lying there inert, but it's also frightening to see a body moving around while a person is asleep because you can see that it's not actually the person making calculated living choices where there is zihirut, the glow of their consciousness uh, is shining out as they make their choices. Instead, there's just this habituated instinctive moving as the body constantly adjusts itself to make itself comfortable and to allow for proper blood flow to maintain its own health and, and homeostasis. So what's happening there is that you're actually witnessing uh, a person in a very animalistic state essentially by animalistic i mean instinctive where there is it's fully a product of the body's own programming and there is no active self that is now you know directing and channeling what the body is going to do so when you see that happening it can be it can, if you see it through that light it can be very disturbing but the point we're making here is that that is the the nature and the essence of what sleep is it's the receding of the consciousness self from the body such that now the body operates in a way that is much more death-like in other words you could think of death in the Torah. Death does not just mean that you are dead. Death means there is a reduction of consciousness. The more that there that there, the consciousness is reduced, so the more death there is. In fact, that's why um, death and disease in Torah and Halacha are, are synonymous, because disease just means some kind of reduction in, in the body's uh, effective ability to express you into the world. So now the consciousness uh, energy is now being blocked and being reduced. It's like a taste of death. It's it's a it's a fraction of death. It's called malikat lapalga, malikat lakula. What a difference does it make if we're talking about only a partial death or a total death? What that means is that is that disease is actually just a taste of death as well. And sleep is described as one sixtieth of death because it's a it's an inert state that is very temporary, but it is still a, an inert state. And so when a person is asleep, so their hands, their body parts move around, their they touch themselves they they scratch themselves there's there's the, the hands are essentially doing whatever they want following the instinctive programming of the body and so that's what the the rush is talking about that when you wake up you wash your hands because they have become dirtied uh, additionally when you wake up you now become it's like you're a new creation because your consciousness which has now been out of the flow of time and out of the world is now kind of being reinserted at a new point and then uh, you're now waking up to to this new you that is essentially you know being renewed and being re rebooted uh, for the day today. And so what's happening there is that the underlying, uh, the underpinning, underlying principle here is that when you are asleep, then the Ruach Ra phenomenon 
kicks in because now the spirit you could call it it's, it's the, the word ruach here a spirit of, of tuma basically means there's like this sense of 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 animalism when you first wake up and it's like yeah like my body was in charge for the last eight hours and like you know you can you can see the effects of that you know that's why that's we wash our hands in the morning because we don't know what we touched during the night because um, we know our body was in charge and we, while we were gone and that is the ruach hatuma that we're talking about and then in in tandem with that is so we wash our hands in order to clean that and we also wash it as as the rush writes in order to rededicate our hands the same way that the, the kohanim would do in the base of mikdash they would wash their hands to dedicate their hands to serving hashem well what that really means is the serving hashem process is is it doesn't just mean, oh, let me just go do Hashem things. It's the very nature, the very fact that you are now conscious again, that you are now actively using your hands on purpose as a as an expression of your own choice uh, in, in action in the world, as opposed to letting your hands just be uh, doing their own thing based on the, the programming and instinctive habits of the body. So you wash your hands to clean them from the death pattern, the, the spirit of, the, of, of death, the dirt that, came, that comes from that. And to basically, uh, the flip side of that is the rededication of them to the active usage of them to affect real expressions of your own self into the world in ways that are constructive and that are intentional, which is the whole idea of Avodah Hashem. Serving Hashem in the world does not mean just doing things that Hashem wants. At the, at the root of it, all expression of self is, is actually serving Hashem. Now, of course, you're supposed to channel the expression of self into things that are by layer more and more and more constructive. In other words, more Hashem-esque. So, but the first thing is, be alive, be awake, be present in the world and be active. And then it's like, well, now which things should I channel that basic activeness into? And then you have a whole list of things of, of what you should do with that. And that's, you know, all the rest of the halacha and things that you should avoid doing, which are damaging and things that are, that you should engage in, which are constructive. But the, the first thing is the, is the reactivation when you wake up. And that is what we are essentially um, marking and even relating to in the washing of our hands as we cleanse them uh, from that, which from the animalism, the instinctiveness that that we were using while we were asleep, and then we redirect them towards active usage uh, as a function of our own free will and our own our own intentionality, our own mindfulness into the world. So that is the idea here of washing our hands, and we're going to explore a few more halachas of that as we go. But that's that's the core idea, so the reasons why we do it, and how we can actually try to experience that more fully as we wake up to realize. And again, I just want to stress, like the. Um, the experience of this is actually very accessible once you realize, you know, we take sleep for granted and we don't really, we don't always pay attention to the fact that that sleep is actually a very bizarre phenomenon when you contrast it to your consciousness experience of life. And that is actually something which nowadays, like many things that we take for granted, we don't notice this so much, but it was a very, it was a very central phenomenon for people in the past because people, the, you know, the Torah approach of 2000 years ago and 1000 years ago and 3000 years ago, and even the mainstream secular world approach was that sleep was this very strange thing because we recognized the centrality of consciousness as the nature of who we were. And then we also recognized that when it seemed like it disappeared because of this sleep phenomenon, it was something which was very, it was it was an anomaly. It was something which we, we understood that maybe it had purpose, but it was also anomalous in the sense that it seemed like, well, when someone is asleep, it's actually frightening. And so uh, there's a whole world of that in the, in the secular world also. And in the Torah world, so it's simply a reflection of the underlying dynamics that we've described also in earlier episodes, how sleep essentially is part of the Das Tovara problem, that we get too embedded in the physical world, and then our bodies have to actually, we have to recede from them, leaving our bodies alone as animals 
and as instinctive machines that just do their own thing while we pull it back to reattach to Hashem temporarily. And then when we come back, we have to kind of like rededicate our bodies and redirect them and reactivate them towards intentionality and towards expression of our own self into the world. And so that's how all that fits together. So I hope that was clear and useful and that you enjoyed that. Thanks so much for listening. Again, check out yoursoblocks.com. And if you like this, please give me a, a positive review. It really adds to the to the spread of the podcast and we can really get this out so people can start learning more and more of the deeper sides of Torah and Halacha. So if you think that's something which you like and you want to support that, then please leave a positive review as well. And looking forward to having you join me in the next episode.